Welcome back. Uh, in case you're wondering, no, this is not pre-recorded. We're actually going live. But I was told by the crew that my shirt was the wrong color <laughs> once it came on the screen. Who would have thought, right? But here we are learning how to do these things from scratch. And uh, what a great thing to be able to do this, to uh, be able to reach beyond geographical boundaries. Well, this morning, it's a great pleasure to be here today bringing the word. Because today is Easter Sunday. Can you hear a shout out in your homes right now? Yay! Awesome. We've got some shouts going on in this home. This is fantastic. Hey, what I'd love you to do right now is to interact with us online in chat. So some of you are on TBN Pacific. Others are on Twitch right now. Some of you are on Facebook. Can you let us know that you're alive and that you're well? Uh, wherever you're viewing us right now, let us know, hey, we're alive, we're well. Tell us who's viewing with you right now. We love to see. We like to make this a live chat. I mean, look, think about this. What we have with our technology today is the ability to be able to interact with a message in a way we normally can't. And what I'd love to be able to do, if I, you know, if you got some questions, Pop them on there, because even if I can't answer them right now, what we'll do is I'll make sure to take those things and answer them at another time. It could be a message. It might even be a just an interview-style kind of podcast where we tackle some of those hard questions. Uh, otherwise, we just want to know you're alive and well. If you're in your Jimmy Jams, make sure you put down hashtag love my jams, okay, so we know who's out there in the jams being comfortable. I mean, you can't do this in normal church. You can't interact with a message. You can't even have food while we're doing the preaching, but right now, anything goes, and this is the most wonderful thing about the, the, the technology that we have right now. Well, I want to bring you a great message today, I pray, by the grace of God, and the title of the message is, Who is Your Lord? Who is Your Lord? Right now, if you're a person that takes notes, grab that smart device, grab that pencil and paper, I want you to write this down. Who is Your Lord? And I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2 and verses 5 to 11. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. While you're turning there, hopefully we'll be able to upgrade and do the things that we need to do to put the scripture, the text, and the lyrics to our songs onto, uh, onto your screens so that you can follow us without having to look up those lyrics live. So get yourselves ready and turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. If you're new to technology, you know you can always open up a browser and type in Phil 2, colon, 5, dash 11, and your browser will take you right to those verses. So I want you to read with me Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 11, and I'm reading from the NIV 1984 edition. Would you believe there's multiple editions of the NIV? And this is the one I'm reading from. Follow with me in your Bibles, in your translation. The Bible says, Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, or as a result of being obedient to death on the cross, the Bible says, God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth 
it doesn't leave anything out, and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, I know there's different theologies out there that look at this scripture differently. They believe that, hey, it doesn't matter what you do on this planet. God is a God of love. And that if you die in your sins, it doesn't matter anyway because God is a God of love. And see here, the Bible says that every time we'll confess that Jesus is Christ, Jesus Christ is Lord anyway. But that's not the scripture is saying. The scripture is saying every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. The Bible tells us and describes that's hell. Even in hell, all of them are going to declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. He will get the recognition he deserves. If you want to contrast this, you can look at Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 23 and 24. It says the second part of verse 23, before me, every knee will bow. By me, every tongue will swear. They will say of me, in the Lord alone are righteousness and strength. All who have raged against him will come to him and be put to shame. In other words, it's not just saying that, hey, you are my Lord. It's indicating that whatever you thought he was, whether you denied him outright on this planet, the Bible says you're going to find out the reality that he is real. I love Easter Sunday. It's a time of celebration because whatever happened on Friday Sunday's on the way. There's a classic message that talks about this very thing. You may be in your Friday right now. You may be struggling. You may be struggling in your sins, and you can't seem to get out of that sin loop. And this is the message of Easter Sunday, that it's possible through the power of Jesus to get outside of the realms of darkness into the power in his kingdom. It is the most incredible message, and I love this. And today, I want to ask you a question. Who is your Lord? Now, some of you will be responding online. I want you to do it. You go ahead and do that. Who is your Lord? It's a rhetorical question, but some of you want to interact. You need this interaction. Because I want to challenge you with this thought. Get that thought in your head right now. Who is your Lord? Now, I know many of you are saying this right now. Yeah, well, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. And some of you may be a bit more honest, and you're thinking, well, if you're really asking that question, Pastor Paul, uh, I'm not too sure I'm going to answer that one. Because whomever or whatever your Lord is will consume your time, will consume your energy, will consume your passions, and will consume your finances, whatever your Lord is. It will affect how you live. It will affect your worldview. It will affect your outlook on life. Recently, I was sharing the fact that over a period of time, a very short period, for one year, I was an atheist. I know, right? How is it possible? This pastor's kid, I'm a third-generation pastor, that I you know, came to Jesus at the age of four. I gave my life to the Lord. And yet, in my second year in university, both of my friends are contacting me. They went through the same experience. Two of these guys, my best friends who I led to the Lord. And just like them, I had lost the faith and I could not believe it. And I had to find my way back to God. But this much I remember that in that time where I did not believe there was a God at all, a hopelessness filled my life. And I'm thinking to myself, what is the purpose and what is the point of living if we're living for nothing else than this? And some of you, you may be living the high life. God bless you. That's fantastic. But for the rest of us human beings, life can be tough. 
And let me tell you, when you don't have that hope in him, everything becomes useless. Your life becomes pointless. The demands of life keep coming at you thick and fast, and it's hard to keep yourself afloat. The lordship of Jesus is constantly challenged. You may be experiencing it right now, and you're not alone. Back in the time of Jesus, they didn't even know if they could call him Lord. Many did not. Many followed him because of the great things he did. Some called him rabbi. He was an extraordinary teacher of the word. Others called him a prophet and began naming some prophets, saying he is. He's probably Elijah reincarnated. Others yet simply called him a good man. In fact, many people today may recognize that he was a man alive back in that time 2,000 years ago, but they'll simply say he was a good man. Some of you will even accept him as Savior, and you love the fact that he died for your sins. He took them away. It's a fantastic story. I love that, but they stop at salvation and go no further. The question I'm asking you today is, who is your Lord? The deeper question is, is Jesus your Lord? In Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 17, we read this. Just write that scripture verse down. Matthew 16, 13 to 17, Jesus asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. And still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And here's a million-dollar question. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by a man, but by my Father in heaven. Even at that point in time, most of the disciples, you notice that they didn't all answer. It was only one of the disciples who answered, and Jesus had to give them this reply. You didn't get that from your own human knowledge. It's impossible for you to understand me and understand the constraints that I'm bound by right now in this human form or what I'm about to do. But heaven revealed who I truly am as Lord and as Savior, the one that has come to redeem this world. The Bible goes on to say eventually one of his own disciples stopped believing in his lordship. His name was Judas. I think we all know this one. He believed in the time that he was following Jesus that he was that Messiah. That's why he chose to follow him. He did all the things the other disciples did. He did great things. The Bible says that Jesus sent his disciples two by two into surrounding villages all over Israel preaching the gospel. And the Bible says he gave them authority to perform all kinds of miracles and to cast out all demons. And these disciples are doing that, including, yep, Judas. Judas is teaching the word. Judas is proclaiming the gospel. But at this key time in his life, the Bible says even he had this conflict and he could not see Jesus as Lord. In fact, all Jerusalem believed him one moment and then doubted him the next. 
<laughs> One minute in Jerusalem, the Bible tells us, they're breaking off branches and forming long lines for parade. And they began singing and they began celebrating and they're shouting out, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And everyone, every religious teacher knew what that was a re reference to. That was a reference to the Messiah. The word Hosanna means save us, save us. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the living God. And they recognize at that moment the lordship of Jesus. And yet the most extraordinary thing. We're talking literally days later, days. The very same people that are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, are yelling out and screaming, crucify him, crucify him. This mob that came to celebrate became a crazy mob that wanted, it was a lynching mob that wanted to kill him. How can you worship him one moment and accuse him the next? How can you worship him one moment and curse him the next with the same mouth? And yet we do it all the time. In fact, this same Peter who's declared, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. The Bible tells us that in a crucial moment, and Jesus warned him of this. He prophesied it. You are going to deny me three times. Peter said, no, no way. I would never deny you. How many people have said the same thing? I never deny you, Jesus. You're real. You're the real deal. I know who you are. You saved my life. But in that moment of pressure, in that moment of panic, when the world is collapsing around you, is he your Lord? And the Bible tells us that Peter denied him three times. Not once, three times. Just to make sure to get the point known that it wasn't a mistake. Three times. As the story continues, we read that the religious leaders of the day who were trained to know the Messiah, refused to acknowledge Jesus, or Yeshua, as his name was back then, Bar-Joseph, Jesus, son of Joseph, as the Messiah. And yet, if you read 33 years earlier, when Herod was trying to figure out, what is the story of a king being born? Those teachers of the law had no trouble telling him, oh, well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea, because the scripture says this, they knew, they had a knowing, and yet they still could not recognize Jesus as Lord. What do you do when everything you believed in comes crashing down on you? When things are good, it's really easy to be a Christian. I love it when things are great, and we praise the Lord. But the true test and the character of a man or a woman, a person, is what are you like in those times of hardship? What are you like when the world is imploding and exploding all around you? The devil would have you question the lordship of Jesus in your life. He will try to cast doubt and cause you to focus on everything you've lost. Perhaps right now you're thinking those same things. I wish I could do this. You know, if I'd only made this choice, I could have been, I could have had a better future. I would have had a better outcome. Some of you are hating the fact that you chose the person you married. Don't look to your wife right now. Don't, don't look at your husband. Just look at me right now. Some of you are <laughs> wondering to yourself, why did I have these children? I love my kids. I'm so glad you were born. Some of you are like, preach it, pastor. Preach it. <laughs> <laughs> Some of you are wondering if I'd only made that if I'd only gone back to college, if I'd only studied this thing instead of that, if only I went into this other trade, and you can live a life of regret, and you can live a life that is simply not full. Some of you are struggling with your journey. 
You never wanted this. But life, as good as it was, seems to be bitter now. Some of your journey has been amazing, an incredible ride with him. And your future was bright, but now the bottom has dropped. And it seems that everything is about to be lost. That's what Friday looked like, or as we call it, Good Friday. They celebrated the Passover. People lined the streets, cutting palm trees. They're shouting out, cheering. I mean, imagine thousands upon thousands of people recognizing this Jesus, this Yeshua bar Joseph, as he comes on this donkey and walking through the crowds. And they're laying these palm leaves as, a, as an honor to him, a tribute to his lordship. They're all calling the same name. Most amazing thing. And the next minute, the whole story changes. And you find this hellish reality. You see, the devil would have you believe that your life ends on Friday. It reminds me of a movie from 1997 starring Jack Nicholson, who plays a character called Melvin Udall, a successful but neurotic novelist. And one day, in a highly agitated state, he demands to go and see a psychiatrist. I mean, he's pushing his way into the door where he's actually in a, in a conference, in a meeting with someone else. That's there a lot of time. He's disturbing this psychiatrist professional. Of course, he gets kicked out of there. And on his way out, he leans back and he says to all these other patients, all psychiatric patients, and he said to them, and this is the name of the movie, what if this is as good as it gets? You know, I'm not a person who wears jewelry apart from maybe my watch. That's, that's about it and my wedding ring. But I was thinking to myself, wouldn't it be nice to wear a crucifix? I see these Christians at the cru crucifix, that good old bling happening. Some of them are really large. You know, Can you see this? Some are really tiny, you know, but it's that meaningful thing. And I think to myself, I've done this year after year, thinking, wow, wouldn't it be really nice? It can remind me of the cross, sacrifice Jesus paid for me. Wouldn't it be amazing? But my thinking always comes back to this thought. But then the story would be incomplete. We're only seeing a part of the picture. It is only the middle of the narrative, the middle of the story. It's like stopping our life story now when COVID-19 restrictions are in place and our whole world is changing. People are out of jobs. Businesses are going under and all social life has come to a standstill. The coronavirus pandemic, I was looking at this in the news yesterday, has infected more than 1.7 million people worldwide and an estimated 100,000 deaths have been recorded. But I want to tell you, this is only part of the narrative. This pandemic will pass. We won't always be doing church like this. this is, these are special moments when your children's children will ask you, tell me about the plague. Remember like the Black Plague and, you know, we we'll talk about the Spanish flu 100 years ago. They'll be talking about this moment and saying, what was it like, Granddad? What was it like, Grandma, during the time of the pandemic? These things are going to pass and our reality will change. It feels like that Good Friday when everything was broken and everything could not be fixed ever again. There was hopelessness all around. It reminds me of a story in the Battle of Beersheba. I remember Cole Stringer talking about this, but I had to do a little bit of my own research. After riding through the dry desert to confront the Turkish army at Beersheba, this was 
uh, positioning that was very, very strategic. If they could take the wells, it would be a turning point in the war. And history tells us that the Anzacs and even the Turks, none of them had counted on what would happen. This is the uncountable factor, the factor that we were not aware of. The Bible tells, oh, the Bible, history tells us that the horses were thirsty by this time and needed water. And in Beersheba, there are the wells, famous wells that the Bible even records and talks about. And the horses had picked up the scent of the water. What happened next, history tells us, was a glorious moment as horse and rider began to charge down upon the Turks with their, with their, with their artillery, with their, with their guns. And they're trying to aim, but these horses are so crazed by the water, they are tearing and tearing down so fast that these gunners could not even focus on them. They were traveling so fast that, the, that history tells us the most incredible thing, that the attacking infantry, the Turks, they suffered 1,200 casualties during that battle. Yet the Australians only had 31 killed, 36 wounded, a total of 67. 67 compared to 1,200. The taking of Beersheba was the first crucial step in bringing an end to Ottoman rule in Palestine. It was a changing of the war for a factor that no one could have possibly understood or reasoned. And it was in the same way that Good Friday, when Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, don't mistake this for anything else wasn't a guy that was a hapless victim, which is what the, some narratives will tell you. Hapless victim, he is powerless, and he was killed. No, the Bible says in different passages how Jesus said, at any moment, Jesus said, I could call down legions of angels to come to my aid. He says, but I'm not going to do that. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 to 8, no, we speak of God's secret wisdom. A wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the God of glory. They were playing right into the hands of Jesus. God knew exactly what was going to happen right from the beginning. As I begin to finish, I want to leave you with some thoughts. Jesus' resurrection. That's what we celebrate. Not just the sacrifice that was paid on Friday, but it's what happened Sunday that was so majestic and so glorious. Here's the two key things I want you to take away. Number one, his resurrection destroys sin in our lives forever. Your sin is destroyed. Some of you are struggling with a hidden sin, and you keep going back over and over and over. You're committing these sins. You're saying to God, I don't want to do these things, but I keep doing it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17 says, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Romans 4.25 says, He was delivered over to death for our sins and... It doesn't finish there. The narrative continues, was raised to life for our justification. It's saying this. His resurrection tells us that God the Father accepted the sacrifice Jesus made on our behalf. That's why he said, it is 
finished everything that was required to be done to make us right in our relationship with the Father. And Isaac gave such a wonderful communion today, talking about this restoration of relationship. And Jesus understood that everything that was necessary and required to pay the price for you and for me was done by Jesus 2,000 years ago. And here's the second key thing I want you to take away. His resurrection destroys the sting of death. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 20 to 21 says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. In other words, he's the first, but there's going to come others. That's you and that's me listening to this broadcast today. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. It's talking about the first death, this death in this lifetime. But it continues, verse 21, For since death, came through a man, Adam. The resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, Jesus. Because Jesus died for our sins and rose again, he was resurrected, the Bible is telling us we too are going to rise again. Let me explain. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 to 52 says this, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound. It's going to sound, guys. The dead will be raised imperishable. In other words, you cannot die. A new body, and we will be changed. Imagine that. The same body that Jesus was resurrected with, and the Bible describes it. He was able to eat with his disciples afterwards. I loved eating. But wouldn't it be amazing to eat all you want and never get fat? Or to be able to just have ice cream for dinner? To have pancakes for lunch? Wouldn't that be the most amazing thing? Never get fat, never die, never be unhealthy because it's an imperishable body. This one will never be torn down again. Right now, we say goodbye to our loved ones. I had to farewell my mother about a year ago. But I know that because Jesus rose from the grave that I'm going to see her again. I'm going to see my dad again. I'm going to see all my lost ones again. For some of you right now, you'll understand this. My wife and I, we lost some babies along the way. We have three kids now, but we lost some along the way. I'm going to see them again. We are all going to see them and rejoice. So how does that impact us? Here's the question. How would it change your life if you knew that you can never die? What can you do with your time on this planet? You know this time will be over, but you're never actually going to die. The crucifixion never caught Jesus by surprise. God cannot be surprised. He knew exactly what he was doing. He knew he would need to die from the beginning of time. Isaiah 46 verse 10 says this, I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. I say, my purpose will stand, and I will do all that I please. God knew that we would mess it up. God knew that we would need a Savior right before we were even created. He knew that Adam and Eve would sin. So I want to tell you this right now, where you are in your homes. You may feel like a sinner. You may feel that you're not good enough. I want to tell you, God already foreknew that. 
He knows even what you're thinking this moment. He knew every sin that you were ever going to commit with your life. Not just the ones you've already done, but the ones you're going to do, even today. And he says, I love you, and I will die for you. He would do it again and again if he needed to, but the Bible says no. He only needed to die once for all time, for all sins. Our Lord fixes broken things. I want to tell you, my Lord is Jesus. There is no other Lord. There's no contention. There's no contention with my finances when it comes to God. He gets the first. There's no contention with my time. God gets the best of my time. God gets the best of my passion, my love, my heart. Whatever He desires, that's my desire. What He hates, that's what I hate. That's what it's like to have Jesus as Lord. And He's such a good Lord. He sees the beauty in the broken. He sees the precious in the discarded. He sees potential where others see problems. He sees sons where others see orphans. Today, I want to challenge you with a thought. Who is your Lord? And would you like to have Jesus as your Lord today? If you're saying, yes, that's me, I want to lead you in a prayer right now. And right in your home, right in your car, wherever you're at, listening and watching this live stream or the recorded message later. It's okay. God is not bound by time. Now, right now, is the moment for you to say this prayer. God is speaking to your heart. If you're wondering to yourself, look, I, I'm not a Christian. I, I don't know this kind of stuff. How do I know if I should be saying it? Right now, you're feeling butterflies in your stomach. You know, you got these pinpricks. You know, something is happening. Something is different about me today. That is the Holy Spirit speaking to you and calling you right now. I want to invite you to join with me in this prayer. Perhaps you are a Christian, but you realize from this message, my life is not right with the Lord. He is, does not have the Lordship. You love God, but you love other things as much as you love God. Well, that's not Lordship. Lordship means He is the supreme love of your life. Everything else is second second rate. It always takes second priority. He is your highest priority. If He's not right now, I also want you to join with me in this prayer. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your extreme love for me. I thank you that you knew me in all my sins. You still love me despite my sins. So I want to ask you right now, Jesus, forgive me. I receive your free gift of life. I never want to die, ever. I want to live forever like you and with you. So I ask you to forgive me my sins, wash it away, and give me your spirit so that I can live for you. You died for me. Now I will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer, I want you to let me know. You don't have to do it publicly. It's okay. But what I'd like you to do is to email me. Just write yes at livecitychurch.com. Yes at live. You're wondering how that's spelled? Live City Church. Yes at livecitychurch.com. Let me know. And for others of you, if you've got prayer requests, 
we want to pray for you. We see God answer so many prayers, and we want to be able to pray for you. You can pop them up there on the chat right now. We'll be following these up later, and we'll be praying throughout the week. I would love to be able to pray for you. If you want me to share it and pray out loud, I'm, 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 I'm glad to do that. I'd be happy to because we're going to pray. We're your family. I don't know where you are watching this, uh, either in a local area or around the world, and we'd love for you to tell us who you are. Let us know where you're watching this from, what what city, what, what, what nation, because we'd love to interact with you. And if these messages have been uh, ministering to you, if they've been empowering you, if they've been encouraging you, can you please write and tell us and say, and just write again to yes at livecitychurch.com. Tell us your story, okay? If you've got a prayer request, just write to me, pray at livecitychurch.com, and we will pray for you. Right now, I just want to pray for the families that are listening to this message right now who are feeling that they're in a place of hopelessness. Things are getting desperate right now. Let me pray for you. And church, can you pray for me in your homes? If you can and you know how to do this, pray out loud with me, with your families, and let's join together in Jesus' name. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. A family not bound by geographical locations, but all around the world. Your word tells us if two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. And if two of, of you can agree on anything as touching these things, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So, Father God, we come together right now as we speak to every family that is struggling, Lord God, because of what's been happening with the COVID virus. Perhaps these challenges have been happening before the pandemic even hit. But right now, there are families that are wondering about their future. They feel lost. They feel desperate. They feel hopeless right now. Father, you are the God of hope, and I speak hope upon their lives right now. Lord, I pray in this moment right now, in agreement with all my brothers and sisters in this broadcast, we declare breakthroughs are coming now. In the name of Jesus, we'll release it now. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for the release of finances. Lord, I pray for the release of, of uh, friends that will cry out, will begin reaching out for help. Father, I pray that, Lord God, you will turn situations around. You will turn marriages around. You will turn families around to the glory of your holy name. We agree with this in Jesus' name. And, Father, I thank you for every soul that said this prayer, saying, God, I want you as Lord of my life right now. And, Father, I pray that you would send your spirit to them. I pray you begin to turn their lives around, begin speaking to them. Do not be silent, O oh God, but I pray you will silence the avenger. You will silence the enemy in their lives. And I pray, Father God, begin to turn them around to your glory. Give them a new life in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. We want to thank you again for tuning in with us on this live stream. Perhaps you're watching this after the fact and you can't put anything in the chat. Please email us. Contact us on those details I gave earlier. We would love to hear from you. Keep those prayer requests coming. Tell us those praise reports when God has been answering your prayers. We love you and we welcome those of you that are online church family. You're new to Life City Church. Welcome. Please let us know who you are. We love you and thanks again. We'll see you next week. In Jesus' name.